0: Love Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. We have a page there and a group, and also on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me. Questions, comments. I'm at Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. You can check the show out on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Well, today I have a lovely author. He's been on here before. He's from Jamaica, but he lives in uh, New York. Uh, he wrote another book when he came on uh, at the time. It was Game World, and we talked about that book. He's a former editor of the Harvard Lampoon. He wrote a biography, Aaliyah, More Than a Woman, was a national bestseller. Uh he was a music critic for Times. He's a blogger. He's a columnist, senior editor at Wall Street Journal. I heard something about Audible too, editor at Audible. I guess I'll answer that question. But we're gonna talk about his book today called Zero O'Clock. Good morning. Christopher, are you there? Can you hear me?
1: I am here. I'm just taking in all the great things you're saying about me. I'm just loving it. I'm so glad to be here with you, Joy. So excited to talk about my new book, Zero Flock. Thanks for having me. So now, are you
0: at Audible as well?
1: Yeah, I am an executive editor at Audible. Audible is an Amazon company. Um, I decided to move into the tech world, so I'm now I'm a tech exec. Um, one reason I did that is I love journalism. I love the Wall Street Journal. But I didn't like so much their editorial page, which was all in on Trump, and I wanted no part of that. And I decided I wanted to move into an industry that was booming. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to work with journalists. And that's what we do at Audible. Um, We now do Audible original audiobooks, which are audiobooks that are released straight to audio. Um, And I'm working with all sorts of people, Blake Griffin, Common, um, just really great um, uh, uh, journalists. And 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 celebrity personalities doing podcasts with them, doing original um, uh, audio books. It's just a lot of fun, um, and uh, it's, it's telling stories, and I love to do that. So now I'm at Audible.
0: Okay, I got to ask: Do you get a free like membership? Can like your family members get free like memberships to Audible? And like, if a friend of a friend of a of a friend like like you know on like LinkedIn <laughs> wanted to get like a <laughs>
1: I see where you're, you're going you with this. I see where you're know? going with it. You see where I'm going with
0: this. You see where I'm going with this. Okay. I, going with it.
1: You know, I, I I think that Audible subscriptions are so reasonably priced. Here's the thing about audiobooks. You know, my son, one reason I joined Audible is my son was big into audiobooks. I couldn't always get him to read physical books, but there's something about that connection with a voice that he just loved. He looking for the autobiography of Malcolm X. He was listening to all these audio books that he needed to read and that he enjoyed, but he did it on audio because he loved that connection. He loved hearing it through his ears. And there's some people that are just into education and literature through that sense. So I love doing mm-hmm. it. You know, I think part of what's wrong with the world today is we're getting so much through social media, tiny little tweets that can't really summarize the huge problems we face today, in like race relations in um, climate change um, with covid you can't send a small tweet about that and really sum up what's happening. But when you read a book, when you read something that's like 500 pages and it can give you a, the big picture of things, or when you listen to a podcast where they can talk for half an hour or two hours about the subject, I think that gives you the information you need to, sort of channel, to, to take on all of these modern challenges. That's one reason why I was really happy and I'm proud and just love working for Audible where I'm telling these bigger stories, working on these bigger, bigger stories able to sort of address some of these issues at length instead of in a tweet.
0: Well, your book, Zero O'Clock, definitely, definitely takes on a lot. I mean, your book, actually, I I could see it like into like a five-part thing. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the book, the main character, um, so they can get a sense of what it is and, and who it's about?
1: Well, Zero O'Clock, if you haven't bought Zero O'Clock, you should have bought it already. So I I, I shouldn't shouldn't need to tell the audience. They should have already had it. But if they they don't, I hope (laughs) you check it out. Zero O'Clock, is a young adult book, but just like Harry Potter or like The Hunger Games, it's a young adult book that anyone can really enjoy. It's for adults, too. It's about a young girl, 16 years old, living in New Rochelle, New York, where I actually live, too, who's coping with the pandemic. She's a big fan of BTS, and she sort of finds herself it um, caught up in the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's really where she sort of finds her mojo, where she, really, she really finds herself. Um, I wrote the book when New Rochelle was the epicenter of the epidemic, when we were the, the, the test case for around the nation and around the world where we had the most cases in New Rochelle. And I used to really examine the way in which people were coping with the pandemic, uh, the way they were coping with various forms of political and cultural change, and we see it all happen in this book. And it was interesting to write it while we're still in the pandemic because, um, you know, you ever have one of those dreams where, um, you know, something crazy happens where, like, you're attacked by spiders mm-hmm. and dolphins and you wake <laughs> up and it makes sense when you wake up for a second, then like an hour later, you can't explain, what was that dolphin doing there? What were those spiders mm-hmm. doing there? Why were they singing mm-hmm. Kanye West? What's happening here? Um, I feel the same way about the pandemic, where um, right now it all makes sense. It's crazy. We're in a nightmare. But I think like five years from now, we're going to go, like, that happened? We were wearing masks? There were people that didn't want to get vaccinated? Trump was president? What? What happened? What kind of crazy dream was that? Oh, my so God. I wanted to, get it's all, be, it's, I wanted it's, to put it all in gonna a be book. It's going to be crazy. I want to put it all in a book before it disappears.
0: Well, you got a lot in the book. Let's talk with the first thing that hit me was the mental health issues. Uh, well, one well, she's uh, she's a Jamaican child, a second second generation a Jamaican child, and she has a mental health OCD. Now, do you know children uh, that are like friends of your of your, cho- of your children that have OCD? Why did you choose OCD as her mental health issue?
1: Well, here's why I did that. You know, certainly, I know a lot of kids and parents that suffer from mental health challenges, and I think in particular. In the black community, unfortunately, we don't always deal um, uh, upfront with mental health challenges. It's often seen as a sign of weakness if you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or you try to get the mental health um, counseling you need. And that's one reason why I wanted to make this part of this young protagonist's experience. I think it's important to deal with mental health challenges. I think it's, it's doubly important in the in the black community that we see going to a psychiatrist or psychologist like. Going to a dentist you get the help that you need you know living in New Rochelle I see a lot of rich white families um, with kids that have um, you know uh, mental challenges and when they have those problems a lot of them they just go to, they go to psychologists or psychiatrists they deal with those problems um, because it's not seen as something that's stigmatizing we need to do the same mm. thing in color and realize there's no shame in seeing a psychiatrist there's no shame in Having a mental health challenge is no shame in taking um, uh, 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 drugs that are prescribed by a doctor that may help you deal with the world better. And so that's one reason why I wrote this character that did not have these challenges because I wanted to have kids read this book and go, hey, that's like me. I have my own challenges. She dealt with it. Maybe I can deal with my challenges better too.
0: Yeah. I mean, you bring up the issue of pharmaceutical companies by talking about the different medications she's taking She has medication for asthma. She got for the OCD. She got this and that. Now, the one thing, though, is that somehow it does help her function. So it does have the side effects. You do mention that in the book, but it does help her function. And that's the main thing that we want to do as humans is be able to function in the world, uh, you know, and continue to live. Another issue you bring up is uh, gender and sexuality, Um, uh, you know, the issue of uh, somebody's a lesbian, are they gay, um, maybe they don't know. Um, this is something that, you know, kids, uh, high school kids go through, uh, they're learning about. Do you mind me asking, like, how or when did you have the conversation with your children about gender and sexuality, or did you ever have a conversation with them about gender and sexuality?
1: Definitely. You know, it's, it's interesting. When I went to school, and this was back in the 1980s, um, uh, people uh, people couldn't really come out. People couldn't talk openly about their sexuality, they happen to be members of the LGBTQ plus community. We didn't even have that term, LGBTQ plus. Um, But things have changed radically in at least some schools in New Rochelle. Um, and it's interesting, interesting, like, I remember my son coming home and telling me once about um, he heard some kid saying something negative about gay people, and he and his friends confronted this kid. Like, you can't talk that that way. We, we don't want to hear that. It would have been just mm. the opposite 30 years ago where it would have been a, a, a gay child um, confronted by people and maybe ostracized. Obviously, it still does happen. Obviously, that it's still difficult to come out and live your authentic life. But it's good to hear that that's turned around in some schools and in some communities where now if you're talking that kind of stuff and you're crashing your fellow human being because of uh, their decision to live an open life, that you're the one mm-hmm. that's ostracized for doing that, and that's good to hear that that's being confronted. So I wanted to hear that in the book, too. Um, this isn't really a coming-out story in any way. The, the character actually has a more complex thing that's going on there. Um, she has a, 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 um, the, the lead character is friends with um, a fellow high school student who happens to be a lesbian, and, it, and she has some interesting issues in the way she deals with it. And that's what I wanted to show, that the nuance that now goes on issues – sexuality sexuality um, when you're in high school. So it's a conversation the parents have had, um, conversations I hear my kids having, and I want to make sure it was reflected in this book.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, there's also another character who, who has a – I don't want to give stuff too much away, but there's other characters I think who are also dealing with where are they on the spectrum um, in terms of, you know, their gender or sexuality. A nice thing you deal with are step families. Um The main character – uh, her mother has a live in boyfriend who at first I really didn't like him, uh <laughs> it was Kevin. Um but as the story progressed I, I kind of I I kinda he warmed I warmed up to him. But that's something that kids are, are dealing with because because she's a step family reason, she's a step family because her dad died. Um and you're dealing right. with death. You're you're not only just dealing with death of a human, but if we look at the book closer, I feel like the death of what life was like before. Before the pandemic, we have this death of our regular lives. Talk to me. Do you feel that uh, that sense at all? We had this death. We had to have some kind of ceremony of, like, our previous
1: lives? Well, yeah, two things there. One, with a step-parent, you know, we grow up with all these tales of, like, cruel stepsisters and cruel stepmothers and fairy tales like that, and it's so unfair to the reimagined families that we have. Um, put something in kids' brains that step parenting is bad, and stepsisters are are bad, and having um, mm-hmm. these uh, reimagined families is somehow threatening. And so I want to write a book where it maybe starts off that way, where she has an attitude towards her stepfather, and then we gradually, along with the main character, warm up to them and and see the way in which he contributes to the family, the way that he really loves her mother and the whole family. Um, because I think that's that's the reality today. We all come from families where people got divorced or they got to we married or uh, we have a, a, um, a half-brother or a half-sister or whatever, and we make it work, and sometimes it's better than, than it's ever been before. I mean, it's, it's all about love, and I want to make sure we had a book that communicated that to kids that however your family is organized, if there's love, that's the important thing we can learn from each other, so that's a core thing in the book. Um, the other thing about, you know... Uh, and and, and for, for parents, I think it's sometimes hard to understand this, but um, this crazy, terrible pandemic is one part of our lives, one episode in our lives, maybe one of the worst episodes mm. one episode in a long life. For these kids, this pandemic has been half of their high school experience. It's been yeah. most of their, uh, of, their, of, of their middle school experience. It's been something that's really completely changed the way they look at life, look at the world, look at human relations. Um, they can't see half their classmates because they're doing things remotely or they can't see half their classmates because their faces are covered and this whole thing has really rocked the, the way they, they they view the world, and we need to understand what a seismic shift for them this has been and so this book is about that, and one reason one why i I sort of got that message because I talked to my my son and my daughter's kids all the time my My son is nineteen, mm. my daughter is sixteen but also I had a lot of their friends. Group edit my book. After I wrote it, I, I heard, heard about that. Up. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Go ahead, and go I ahead. had kids from the neighborhood take a look and give me their opinion, on it, and some parents too, because I want to make sure I got things right. I want to make sure I was representing them, their values, the way they talk, the experiences they're going through, and make it authentic for readers.
0: Well, one of the things, I'm totally a nerd. I'm totally a tech. When we were on here before, we were talking about, you know, video games and going to the arcade. Uh, We talked about Tolkien and and C.S. Lewis. Uh, But one of the cool things is she has, um, well, let's, let's, let's put it this way. There's a character who gets into biohacking and, like, connecting the body with computers. I was, like, that to me, I, I wanted a whole story about that. Where did you get that idea from? Did you see it somewhere? Did you did you just been reading and you were like, let me put this in here? That was
1: really cool. Yeah, well, part of it, you know, um, I always try to make sure characters in my books are as authentic as possible, and that character um, has um, it says he has Native American ancestry, and a friend of mine, um, Melissa Oakes, who I think at the beginning of the book. You know, um, I was talking to her about the kinds of things, um, the ways in which um, Native American experiences is, 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 um, is uh, reflected in um, today's experiences. And so I wanted to have a character who, um, you know, had that heritage, but um, sort of refracted it and imagined it in a different kind of way. And um, so that's why that character has those particular views and sort of his way of expressing his Native American ancestry. Um, the way, the way in which he sort of connects, um, sort of the, uh, the old ways to the new. And it just seemed to make sense. Yeah, I, I love that character. Um, I'm glad he popped into my head. I loved writing in his voice. But I was really thankful to, um, to my friends who actually had Native American ancestry to sort of give the whole book a read and tell me what character I needed to tweak to make sure it made sense and reflected his ancestry in a way that was authentic.
0: Well, that character is also tested because it brings up the issue of race and ethnicity um, and who is really African-American, who is really Native American, who is really Korean. How do we decide who is – is it the one-drop rule? Is it because your great-great-great-great-grandmother was? What do you think kids are feeling now? Is that important to kids, Um, who is who, and, and having a box to sit in?
1: Well, you know, we're pulled in two extremes. On one level, you know, kids, um, you know, are just kids, and they're they're not thinking about um, race and color all the time, or they don't want to. On the other hand, um, they're they're really, uh, many kids are really sensitive to issues of um, cultural appropriation and not stepping outside their bounds and doing things that they shouldn't do, you know, if you're, you know, wearing like a a costume of a, a wearing a geisha costume for Halloween if you're not Japanese, or you know, uh, dressing up as a as a black rapper if you're not African American. Issues are very much on their minds, and um, as you know, our America becomes um, more and more um, uh, majority minority. These are issues we're going to see more and more, and so that's why I want to explore that in this book. I mean, one reason why I wrote this book is because. So few um, books in young adults um, are actually written by people of color and and, and have protagonists who are people of color. And so we don't always get to put ourselves in the minds of um, a Jamaican-American teen. Uh, That rarely happens in literature. And yet if you want to understand the world, you have to understand other people. And the best way to do that is to read a book about that person, to immerse yourself in their experiences in a long-term kind of way. So um, uh, I I felt like this kind of book was needed. The the numbers show there are very few books like that, and I think it's good Mm -hmm. for kids out there, whether they're white, black, Asian, or um, uh, some other heritage, to really understand other kinds of experiences and how they all fit together.
0: Yeah, you definitely have a lot of um, teaching moments in the book, and you don't have to be a young adult. I mean, I learned stuff as I was reading or stuff that I wanted to investigate further as I was reading and I was highlighting here, there, and everywhere, uh, 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 you know, uh, on my Kindle. Uh, And that's another thing. It's just like how I was reading your book. Um, I listened to the book. I read the book. There are so many different ways that we can gather information. And what we talked about right before the interview started was people, um, you know, not having critical thinking skills. This particular character, she has mad critical thinking skills. I mean, I don't know if she's, like, Mensa or something like that. Uh, you know, she she makes so many different, uh, a variety of references to, to so many different things uh, in the book. Now, um, let me ask you this. When your kids were reviewing the book, um, what did they say? Can you tell us any, like, tidbits that they were saying, like, oh, no, you shouldn't say it that way, or we, we should talk this way, or... You, didn't you think about this, or can you tell us any
1: of that stuff? Yeah, I got really great um, specific um, comments about things. Um, uh, for for example, um, there's one character who's a football quarterback, and um, a quarterback for the New Rochelle high school team sort of read over those passages and said, like, no, nah, this is the kind of um, – this is the way practice really is. Here's how he'd really think about this. And I incorporated that into the book because, you know, I didn't play football. I played basketball and ran across country. I have no idea mm-hmm. how to play football. I didn't know. Um, I, my, my passing skills are really suspect. And so hearing from someone like you was there, who, um, who was a championship football quarterback, this is the way things really work in high school, that was really helpful uh, um, Helpful to me. Um, I remember my son gave me some good advice about the music. I remember at one point I had um, the kids dancing to um, – Oh, now we his name. What is the name of that one? I've interviewed him too. What's the name of that one redheaded singer from England? Um, Ed uh, Sheeran. Oh yes, uh, I kid dancing yes. to Ed mm-hmm. Sheeran, and she's like, Dad, they're not dancing the Ed. Sheeran. No one's dancing to Ed Sheeran, but you and Mom. That's not happening. That's not happening. So I, I, I love Ed Sheeran. Took him out of the book because it did reflect the experiences of like kids from New Rochelle and what they would actually have on their playlist in that situation. So. Things like that were really helpful. And I also was motivated by, um, I remember one time my my daughter came back home from school and she'd been assigned to read The Indian in the Cupboard, which is a book from like the 50s or 60s about this um, young boy who finds a little Indian in the cupboard. It's so racist and so stereotypical and so out of time. And she was like, this has nothing to do with my life. I can't get anything out of this and we shouldn't be reading it. And so that's why I was so motivated to write this book because I wanted to write a book that um, the kids and the parents can read and go, like, yes, this connects to my life right now. I recognize people. I recognize situations. Um, I, I'm in tune with these thoughts. I'm learning stuff. It's challenging me. It has to do with now. And so um, uh, because, you know, at some point you have to write a new kind of book that challenges the ways of the old.
0: Yeah, I um, was listening to one of uh, another interview that you had done, and we were you were talking about this issue of people writing stories about slavery instead of writing things about the future. And one of my one of my pet peeves is always seeing space movies, and there's nobody of, of color or or, or uh, uh, up in the movie. So it's like we just vanished, we just disappeared. What happened to us? So I'm always happy to. Um, see see us in, in, in the future or doing future things. And this character definitely evolved and I see a future life for her if, if you wanted to, to make another book because she was really shy and by the end of the book she's like out in front with um you know supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Um and I, I thought it was awesome for a kid could see that in themselves maybe. I was shy, you know, I'm, nobody's listening to me, nobody invites me to party, but then, boom, a moment happens in time, and now I'm out in front, or I could be out in front, or I could support in that way. I think that's so important, um, because when you're a teenager, just so much stuff is going on, hormones, this, that, and other, and you have the shy kids, you got the jock. That was cool that you have the jock is friends with one of the shy kids.
1: Yeah, and you still right there about, like, uh, that's a pet peeve of mine, too, with sci-fi movies that don't have people of color. Um, I think we have seen some examples of the reverse happening lately, like with that, that new show Foundation, um, which yes. even though it's mm-hmm. written um, mostly by white writer, Isaac Asimov, when they actually made the, the TV version, they, they reimagined some of the parts into women, into women of color, and that's great to mm-hmm. see. Um, you know, I, and I'm all for books about slavery, so important. My mother was a, um, was a professor of African-American studies at the State University of New York at Brockport for many decades. And so I grew up, mm. you know, learning things about American slavery. It's importance in the, in the cultural and, and public um, imagination. Um, but, yeah. um, and, and Roots is one of my favorite books. It was very, a very seminal book for me growing up, Alex Haley's Roots. If you haven't read that, you should read that book a massive book, and yet we have to tell other stories. Um, We have to um, tell stories beyond just slavery. Yes, there's some great books about that, like Kindred by Octavia Butler, a great science fiction book that kind of reimagines slavery stories, but we have to do more than that. Slavery isn't the entire sum of the black experience. It's one part that needs examination but would tell other books. Unfortunately, I think there are a lot of gatekeepers in literature that want to keep black people writing certain kinds of books. Those are the books that get reviewed. Those are the books that get attention. Those are the books that um, get big splashes in the the media. And people are writing other kinds of stories, sci-fi stories, fantasy stories, realistic stories about young girls becoming activists. Those stories mostly get ignored by um, the the, uh, majority media because those stories don't necessarily resonate with them. They scare them and that don't want to talk about them. So I'm going to keep on running these kinds of books because um, uh, I know the gatekeepers are out there. you got to keep pounding on the gate. Gate, Maybe they'll let, let you in. Maybe they won't. But uh, there's plenty of fun going on outside the gate, and plenty of readers out there too.
0: Uh, what's coming up next for you? Do you have another book already you started, or what do you see happening? Or are you just focusing on Audible right now?
1: You know, I am writing another book. It will be... Um, Uh, adventure novel. You know, I try to write things that are different. I've written all kinds of different things throughout my career from, you know, realistic books about, you know, people of color at Harvard and Game World, the fantasy adventure novel, and Before the Legend, The Rise of Bob Marley, a bio about Bob Marley, and, of course, Aaliyah, More Than a Woman, a biography of that, um, of of the great, you know, R&B singer. Um, But I'm writing a fantasy adventure novel next, which will be fun to do. And and then I I get some some other other things in mind. I mean, I try to do things one at a time. All I know is I'm going to keep on writing. and I got a great response for this book. My last book, Around Harvard Square, won the NWCP Image Award, which is great. And that was such a you know usually I don't care about awards, but getting an award from the NWCP as their image award was really meaningful to me because it 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 was an unusual book. Um, It was about people of color at Harvard. I'd never seen a book like that before. Um, I thought it was something that kids need to read. I was surprised that there are very few books out there about um, black kids um, at, um, at colleges. Um, if you, if mm-hmm. like very that. And even though we're so invested in, and it's so important for 10 colleges, there are very few books that help you imagine what it's like. And the fact that the NWTP Image Award said, like, yes, we recognize you, we see you. We love this book. You win the prize, and I thought that was very cool. And it just showed that if you if you imagine it, if you think it's a great story, get it out there. I mean, um, you know, Toni Morrison once had that um famous quote about how, if there's a book out there that you would like to read, um, that that no one's written yet, you must write it. And um, and, that sounds uh, um, great to me. Paraphrasing. I think, and I think that's a great I think idea. That's
0: great advice if, for people. I think it's great advice. If you if you I always used to tell my daughter, I was like. If, you, if you're thinking about it, somebody's already probably doing it, or they're thinking about doing it, or they're moving on it. And the thing is, who moves on it first? You know what I mean? You've got to make action towards your dreams. You can't just write things down. Uh, that's a start, but then you've got to take action toward them. So I think writing a book that um, is in your head and is imaginable, maybe nobody else has imagined it, is great. But we've got to get going. Chris, where can I find you on social media?
1: You can find me at C J Farley um, um, on um, on uh, on Twitter. So at C J Farley, I'm on Twitter. Please follow me, like me, um, and check out my book Zero O'clock. It's um, available on Amazon or at better bookstores near you. But Zero O'clock it's out there right now. And um, if you love BTS, you'll love this book. If you love young adult books, you'll love this book. I think uh, if you love just reading something that's literature that's different, I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Thank you so much, um, C J Farley, for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right. I'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend.
1: Later. You too. All
0: right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with author C.J. Farley. I'm going to be giving away some copies of his book, Zero O'Clock. And like you said, if you like BTS, this is definitely a book for you because the main character is obsessed with BTS and all the different forms. But you can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about Breast Cancer Awareness. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, men and women can get breast cancer. It is not just, a, you know, women. So stay tuned and uh, find out how you can uh, help prevent, treat, uh, and get support. coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casinos home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket